This week on the Podland Trailcasters. Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood Squares. That makes sense for us. I said, hey, 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 San Andreas. <laughs> got to say. Hopefully my phone doesn't die. I'm using I'm using IV cam, which is a Bluetooth connection to my an old iPhone of mine. That's why the camera's not cutting out, because I'm not using that cheap webcam. Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> Hey, hey, hey. Seeing the waveforms, it doesn't look like it's picking up. Like my kids are so into pink right now. They're like I can hear it over, like <laughs> I can hear it over my headphones, but it, it's not picking up on the mic. Alrighty. Hold on, hold on. Okay, cool. No worries. Hello, Rip City. To all of you in town and out of town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in here with you from Hood River. My name is Keith Feltner-Smith, and here with me, as always, the on-time Hawaiian, the master of segways, Mr. Professional. And I had something else to add in here just to throw it off, but I forgot what it was, so I'm just going to keep this <laughs> going. Christopher Joseph Burkhart, what's up, buddy? Hey, good for you. Look at you. <laughs> I had something too. You you said something, man, when we were first starting recording earlier, uh, uh, and and I, I I had something in my hand, and I the problem is always if you don't write it down, it's not going to stick around. It, nope. It's not going to be there later when you need it. I expect better. <laughs> I expect better. But how, how how are you going to get through it if you didn't write it down? I I watch you struggle in this podcast, getting off your script. All the time. Like, I'm not then, good off script. Uh, oh, man, I forgot what I wrote down. Which is so funny because you say you're not good off script. I hate scripts. I hate scripts. I hate teleprompters. I am improv, yeah, all, the, I'm, I'm improv all the way. Like, tell it's me not even it, that I'm not good off script. This is off script. So, like, I, I can I can be candid. But yeah, like, when yeah, I'm this in is the off, moment or when I'm off script, script and, then and, then and you didn't know what you were going to say. It's off script and you didn't know what you were going to say. Well, I'm, I'm speaking it's fine like now. It's dead by daylight. I run circles around you, Keith. No, no. See, that's not even fair. We're, we're talking about you're like a professionally trained uh, dude coming with like a, a almost okay. decade background, and I'm like go. I'm a dude who taught himself on a computer at home uh, with no boss, no critiques, no 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 uh, quality. The boss check. is here now. <laughs> I say go for that one. All right, man. Let's get straight into this uh, because we had a great interview just now with our buddy Fawad, uh, Fawad Dodd from the Unbiased Blazers podcast. He and Alex do a great job over there. They also have a wonderful Discord community that we've kind of modeled ours after and, and they've helped us grow as well. So when you come and check out our Discord in the episode description, go and check out theirs as well. We'll get to that interview in just a minute with Fawad. First things first though, Chris, the world famous segment, as I'm saying again, because we have world worldwide fans at this point. Let's, uh, let's get some of those over in... Azerbaijan, as Azerbaijan. There we go. Yeah, That's there you go. You remembered. You remembered. <laughs> uh, if we're gonna get anyone in Azerbaijan, I can't even say it. If we're gonna get anyone in Azerbaijan, paying attention to this pod, we gotta keep this uh, keep this fire coming. So, love hugs and hate mail. Where's your love going this week? Yo, yo, yo. My love is going to the city of New You New York. New New York. You New York. New New York. New York. New New York. <laughs> My love new is new going York. to new New York <laughs> for all you Futurama fans. To the, the GOAT, Jets. Oregon's finest, Sabrina Unescu. She has been on an absolute tear. Back in May, recorded her first triple-double. Then it was 
uh, a couple couple days ago now. I think it was on June 7th, I think it was. Uh, she be she scored 25 points, had eight assists, and did it on 90% shooting. It was the first player to ever do that in WNBA Ooh. history. She followed that up just a few days later with a 27-point, 13-rebound, 12-assist triple-double to record her second triple-double, become the youngest uh, to record multiple triple doubles, one of only like two WNBA players to ever record tri uh, multiple triple doubles, her, and became her and the very Parker. her and became right. the very for I believe so, and became the very first uh, WNBA player to record a triple double in just three quarters of action. Sabrina Whew. is on oh an absolute tear. She is the queen of the triple-double in college basketball. She was untouchable. Uh, she had some injury issues and got a slow start to her WNBA career. But boy, howdy, is she coming on in full force. And you love to see it. Sending all my love to Sabrina. Well, you did it, Chris. You took my love, man. I did? We, we finally did it. Without, <laughs> like, without any sort of discussion on the love, that was exactly where my love was going this yes! week. Sabrina making history with her triple-double. Youngest player, like you said. First one to do it in three quarters. I think this is also the first WNBA season where they've had multiple triple-doubles in one season with her and Candace Parker both getting one. But yeah, uh, huge love. Shout-out to Sabrina, the, the Ducks legend, now the New, New York Liberty legend, the new New York Liberty legend. New, new uh, New York Liberty. New New York. That's <laughs> smart. Uh, oh God. Also, Before we get into all the other have, impressions. See, I, I, okay, this is also off on a tangent here. I, I, so, some pro men's teams need to take a page from the pro women's sports because, like, the Thorns, Portland Thorns, the New York Liberty, they got some of the sleekest uniforms in all of sports. Oh, yeah. Like, the New oh, York, yeah. like, the Liberty's, like, alternate, like, the, 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 the green. It's not even green. It's, like, a, like light teal whatever color oh it's just they're beautiful such a good jersey such a good jersey anyway back they, on they, track yeah. <laughs> a, a number of the women's team jersey in the, in the wmba and the uh nwsl fire jersey in, in both the women's leagues and yeah the, the great stuff to pick up if it's the okay, wmba uh, why isn't it the mmba that's a very good point <laughs> that was the love we're sharing the love where is your hug this week? Where who you said my your hug? My hug is going to a friend of mine, uh, former coworker over there at the Athletic, Jason Quick. Uh, oh, Blazer fans sure uh, know that name. Have read many of his articles over the years. He announced on Twitter um, yesterday that he's taking a leave of absence from the Athletic to work on his mental health. Uh, that he's had a lot of stuff going on. And after so many years telling uh, everyone else's story, he needs to work on his own. And uh, so I'm sending all my hug to him to hope he gets right. He said uh, in his Twitter post, uh, you know, that he doesn't know if he's going to come back or when he's going to come back. Like he just has to he'll take care of his mental health. And I love it. Not that he's, I don't love that he's, he's dealing with it. I just love that dealing with your own mental health is not as faux pas as it used to be. People used to deal with mental health and then just have to bottle it up because anyone admitting that they had an issue with anything, whether it was depression or alcoholism or whatever the heck their, their issues were that were bringing them down, it was just too, too frowned upon to say, I have a problem, right? And over the years, you've had big names like Kevin Love and, and Channing Frye be very vocal about this, and, and many players have come Marta out. Rosen. Exactly. Multiple players yeah. have come out, and so... The fact that it's not so faux pas anymore, it makes it a lot easier to, to say that you're struggling. And, you know, as expected, Rip City did 
nothing but show Jason Quick love on social for it. So absolutely, uh, yeah. he's one. Of the, he's one of the best beat reporters I've ever worked with. He's the to give the guy a pencil and he'll create art. It won't be a drawing, mm. but mm. by but when he puts a period on his final sentence, he has created art. So good to you, Jason. Go get better. I'm rooting for you. Rip City's rooting for you. This is the the big thing with our love hugs and hate mail here too, because love obviously always positive, and the hate mail we try and throw out some some <laughs> sassy negative, nothing too actual negative and hateful, but but sassy negative. The hugs can go either way. You can send. I, I I've sent some ironic hugs in the past, uh, where someone kind of you know like the you okay bro kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but but in this sense, the the hug you're sending, Jason, man. It's all love. And, and just like you said, all the responses that Rip City gave him, there was, there was so many people saying, we love you, Jason. We love you, Jason. Get better. Treat, like, you know, handle yourself first. Take care of yourself. Uh, and like you said, Chris, it's nice to see, man. It wouldn't have been the norm not that long ago. Like, mm-hmm. it, you, neither you and I are, we're adults, but we're not old. And, and, and in our lifetime, in, in our young, somewhat, in our somewhat young lifetime, this would not have been the norm. This would have been very much the polar opposite. Like you said, it, to, to have, to show the vulnerability of saying publicly and on a social media platform, I'm going to take some time away. I'm going to step out because I need to right. focus on me. That is, that, that's, that's strength. I, yep. I respect the hell out of that. Yeah. And uh, uh, also, also it goes to workplace atmosphere too i would say yes it does at this point right now just a a huge shout out to the athletic for allowing him to take a leave of absence and not worry about their coverage right and right how how many times like like, replace him or how many times have you told a boss before i mean i've seen it i've lived it like hey like i i just need to take a mental health day man they're like what's that what's a mental health day or no get to work i need it's like no man, or, or or trying to get you to make it up somewhere else. Like, okay, well, if you're gonna take today off, well, we need you to come in on a Saturday. Like, no, that no, that's not a mental no. health day, then, man. No, like, you know, it's uh, it's this this living to work, right? It's just like right work, work is not the, yeah work is not the end all be all of life. Life is life, and that's more important as as much as we all like you know reading what Jason has to write. Yeah, Jason yeah. living a healthy life is more important than any story he's ever going to write um amen to that yeah so yeah anyway just sending in my hugs because he's he's a good dude and he deserves to get right and like i said rip rip city's been better for having him cover the team all hugs all up to jason i also want to send uh another hug to someone who i'm going to say is going to be a future friend of the show chris i'm going to make a prediction right now i think we're going to have this person of a fairly high profile on as a guest at some point here on trailcasters it'll happen at some point hey who is this Coach Adnisha Curry, she Did just you... followed us, bro. She follows us on Twitter. She, uh, I, she, you know, just I, I, I wrote her a while back, being like, "Hey, I respect what you're doing. I respect the way you carry yourself and these kind of like other projects you get into. I, the what she's doing with with young up and coming NBA draft combine stuff. What she's doing abroad, uh, in in other aspects. And I just, I, I need to give her a shout out, man. Hey! She, she followed us back, and it, it's. It, I think there. I think we're we're getting a, the start of a nice, beautiful friendship here, and it might not come true, but I'm gonna make a a a bet that we're gonna get Coach Curry on here on Trailcasters at some point down the line. Maybe it's gonna take a couple of years where we're gonna we gotta become big time ourselves. But Coach Coach Curry's coming on. I won't believe it till I read it in a Bosnian newspaper. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Okay. That's yeah, called a, that's called a tease, friends. And if you're confused <laughs> by what I just said, you have to listen to the rest of the episode. <laughs> All right, and with that. Uh, oh, I guess we still got to get hate mail in here. Okay, uh, do you have any hate mail for the week? My hate mail is going 
down south to Toronto? Ch- Chase Center. Yeah, to Toronto, which also <laughs> is a, a tease. And listen on, and you'll know what we mean. But my, my hate mail is going to go down south to Chase Center and the Golden State Warriors for banning fla- fake clay for life. They banned him from from Chase Center because he got on the court and and shot warm-up shots for about 10 minutes before security got him out because security all thought he was really Clay Thompson. And he he posted about this, and I'm going to agree with him here. He should not be banned because security was so incompetent to let someone in randomly. Like, like. Come yep. on, we always talk about safety and this and that and, and metal detectors and what blah 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 safety safety safety. They just let this guy come in without a credential because they thought he looked like Clay Thompson. Looked like he might dude. be Clay Thompson. Also, like okay, these people who works the security gates, okay? Uh have you ever once in your life seen a player show up to their game in full uniform? because he walked through the gates in full uniform he's wearing a sweatshirt but he still had he had the shorts the jersey shorts on so he was in full uniform have you ever seen a player show up to a game in full (laughs) uniform that should have been your red flag right there that they're like dressed up and ready to go uh, when they're coming in for warm-ups in in the beginning like oh my god like this is like you you, you know that gif like that's like what's like the old soccer game or it's like an nfl game the guy's just like he's rubbing people down but he's not really patting them down they're like it's like right, the, right, the right. lazy like that's like so and this is the, what's weird to me is rat like they banned him from chase center i'm like no this is marketing opportunity dude like yeah, you should be dude. jumping on you should be jumping on the the fake clay bandwagon you should be sending videos of fake clay on his on a boat out out there in uh in the oh in, my God. in the middle of the bay dude. like he but he can't afford a nice boat like like real clay so he's on like a little paddle boat but he's like oh yes yeah. so but he has his captain hat on and everything and like so and then good. They just do like the instagram it, videos like clay does like being like yeah like life <laughs> like like i don't know i like i get it but it's just it's Mm, it's no and the thing was like there's no players on the court no real safety issues like i get rules are rules but at the same time like security yeah like and it's not like he passed one security guard like i i again right again i've been it's not just like i've been i've been fortunate enough to get into these buildings having to go through the same entrances that players do there's not one layer of security there is multiple layers of security at Chase Center of all places too, which has some right. of the most strict security. I have been I have been yelled at and told told where I can't go. Same with the uh, what's this? I'm gonna mess up with it. Josiah, you're the, the the GM for the Toronto Raptors. Messiah Jiri. Thank you. Who got called out by security and got got right. got put right. his hands on him? He had a credential that said he could go there. <laughs> like he he, he's the, he's the GM, he and he was the, oh my god, yeah, and that that whole Nick incident. Clay didn't even have a credential. He had a credential. <laughs> I I too have been told off in 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 various locations. Las Vegas being one of my one of my stories that I have being oh, yeah. told that I couldn't go somewhere without, uh, despite the fact I had the credential on my neck that said I could. So I go through all the security features and I know how tight these places can be. And again, every time I've been there, Chase, is, Chase Center is tight as hell. So how the heck do you let a guy in just because he looks like he might be a player? That's not Clay, that's not fake Clay's fault. That's security's fault. No, so shame I, on I, you, Golden State. And I got to reference Vegas that you just brought up here too. Vegas doesn't critique people for for being fake elvises like being (laughs) elvis impersonators are welcomed in vegas man they make that a marketing thing up and down like they they put those dudes 
and if if they don't put him to work, they're part of the machine in some way or another. Like let let fake Clay be free throw guy. Let him kind of get his camera time at the very least. Let him like you're saying the idea of getting him out there on some some marketing campaign stuff. Get him on a boat. Get him going to like a coffee shop saying I'm Clay Thompson. People are like you're not Clay Thompson. Like yeah. you have so much fun with this in so many ways, and instead they're just gonna ban him. That's that's yeah. absurd. I'm watching no the video fun right, at all. I'm watching the video right now because he he filmed it, and I, I've been through that exact same entrance that he goes to, and it's like. He, <laughs> He walks in. He just puts his stuff on. He just puts his stuff on the on the gate and walks through. Like me, like I had to walk. That's There's amazing. a window to the left that you can see. I had to go to that security desk. I had to check in. I had to print a credential. Had to go back through. Then wow. had to go through the entrance. And oh yeah, all, all that stuff. Like he just walks in. No one knows. My favorite part though is at the end of the video. He's like, I was I was just trying to find the team store. Like <laughs> like. <laughs> But I'm telling you, if I got into an arena and there was a basketball out there and I could take a shot, I'm taking a shot. Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm taking absolutely. a shot. Why not? Like, but I just think, come on. Anyway, where's your hate mail going, Keith? Because I could talk about this forever. Uh, my, my hate mail is going to be quick. Uh, just, uh, you know, we, we go from having all the fun on the seven. I'm going to bring the, the tone down a little bit to get a little more serious. It's the late rest in peace, the late RIP here that we, I should have gone in weeks ago, but we had other things to talk about. And I didn't know really how to handle this one. This is one of these dudes that I just. I have I've watched his stuff a lot, man. Rest in peace, Ray, Li- Ray Liotta. Mm. Um, I know it happened a little while ago. I, I meant to bring it up. I, I kept forgetting about it week after week because we had other things to talk about. And it just it's I don't know how to make this one funny. I'm not trying to make it too sad or serious either. But you know this Ray Liotta, phenomenal actor. He did a lot of stuff that I think he was not famous for, not known for in the mainstream spotlight. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some some doc, uh, some documentary at some point, or or just something you know about just like the impact this dude's had. Ray Liotta, he he was considered for a bunch of roles that you've seen other actors take in major films that he was like one of the alternate options that he either didn't do or got turned down for. Like, uh, he's he's been on the fringes for a long time, uh, and obviously Goodfellas, the the influence of right. Goodfellas alone on films going forward, on Sopranos, on on so many other mafia and crime movies and just kind of the, the whole genre uh it's it, we could talk about that for an entire podcast on its own so uh yeah rest in peace ray liotta uh hope the hope family and everyone are, are doing well identity that was a fun movie that was one i liked him oh I yeah thought, i, thought, I yeah. thought that was a i thought that was a, a great movie and then obviously you name all of his all of his famous ones that you know not only helped put him on the map over the years but obviously like like you said goodfellas i mean we're talking about that movie and that movie's 30 years old and 30 years from now it's going to be it's it's i mean this is a bit of a stretch but it's it's citizen kane type in the fact that yeah yeah you still talk about citizen kane and its impact that it had on the movie industry goodfellas is one of them man so field um, of dreams as well yeah Uh, absolutely absolutely and so uh yeah it's 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 always unfortunate when you lose these these stars who you lose a too early <laughs> but b i mean depending on the star and and your your uh, your taste in music or movies or art or what you know whatever one you're partaking in had had some sort of some sort of impact on you like those ones are always hard to swallow you know like mm, i mean yeah, yeah my entire my entire my entire life has been played with metallica in my ear so the minute you know james hetfield dies i'm probably gonna cry like a baby <laughs> never, oh, i've never i've never met the guy but i'm gonna be sad you know what i mean and oh and, yeah yeah and of course there's 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 actors who do that like everyone has those actors that like it doesn't matter how good or bad the movie is if they're in it they're gonna watch it because they just like Absolutely, that they yeah. like that actor or actress so i mean i know it sounds cliche but it's it's 
I like a good Denzel flick, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> typecast, is, but I like a good Denzel flick. So yeah, man, I I, I, I send you, you hate hate the send the hate mail, uh, not to Ray Liotta, but to the R.I.P. Oh, of course not. It sucks. Yeah, it sucks yeah. to have to say him, man. But yeah, I always exactly. I always think about it like this though. As sad as it is when you lose someone like that, and I thought about this uh, a couple years back when my grandpa passed away. Okay. Um, my grandpa was a musician and he played saxophone and he played it. He played at my wedding. He played at my sister's wedding. He used to, wow, tour the, nice. he, he, he used to tour the country. He would tell me, he would, t- he would tell me, he, my grandpa told me a story about how, how he did a set one day. He met, he met Willie Nelson and Willie Nelson told him to come back to his van or at his, uh, his bus. <laughs> and he said, and, and he said, I, I, I was going to take him up on his offer. Cause Willie was really nice guy. He's like, but I got out to his van and there was so, so much, uh, pot smoke coming out of the windows that i was like yeah that's not for me so he's like i did not go on willie nelson's band <laughs> oh my but god like he would, you know he would tell me these stories and when, and when he passed away i i i surprised everyone a little bit because no one expected me to talk because i was just in shambles but i talked about at his funeral about how lucky we were that he was a musician because he's gone we're never going to get to talk to him again but every single person in the family can pop pop the cd in because we all have it or, or probably download on our phones and we can listen to his horn and we can listen to his mm. sax. And it, he had a very distinct sound. You knew it was him. And it's like, I can let my kids listen to it and they can let their kids listen to it. It's like, so grandpa's always going to be in your ear. Hell yeah, dude. And that's the thing. That's with awesome. Ray, that's the thing with Ray Liotta, right? Like, uh, yeah, he's gone, but how fortunate his family was. And as a fan of his, that he was an actor. So it's like, you can always watch his films and you can, mm. you, you yep. still, you keep that story going, which it's really cool. It's really cool when you do have that little piece to live on no matter what. So gone, but immortalizes. Right? Yeah, so, exactly. Love it. All right. So we've got Fawad waiting in the wings here from the unbiased Blazers podcast. Go and check out unbiased as well as go and check out their discord. When you subscribe or when subscribe, <laughs> when you jump on and join us on our discord, there's no subscription. It's all free. Just come and click a button, click the link in the episode description, yeah, right come now. and find ours <laughs> and then come and listen to the rest of the episode with Fawad. I think we started the Discord like right when we created the podcast. But like I remember uh, our first few episodes, we would like take some topics from you guys or just listen to you guys just to hear <laughs> how it works. Hey, that's awesome, man. That's that's probably one of the coolest compliments I've ever heard. So thank you. There's, there's people. There, there's there's people that would be that would be mad at that, and people who would be mad at that don't understand how this works because that's. Right. I mean, hello. Like if you like when people just straight rip it, then it's annoying. But how can I right, twist right. it enough so like I'm taking that idea and making it new? Like that's content creation in a nutshell, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's 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 all about helping each other come up and and building off each other and the rest, man. So. Mm. Until you get uh, high enough to get back on you and <laughs> call it good. Chris helped me get a job, then we both lost the job, and I, while he's looking for a job, I pulled him into something that I can't pay him for, so I feel like <laughs> it's worked out really well for me. Okay, cool. So, everyone recording? Good on that? Yeah. And we're going to go right now, if I can get to Skype, and go, I'm going to go 3, 2, 1, and we all clap, so 3, 2, 1...
joining us from the Unbiased Blazers podcast. Uh, we've talked to Alex before, and this completes our unbiased set. And and you know, it's it's always nice to kind of collect the whole the whole thing here. Also from up in Toronto, so from across the border, across the other side of the country, maybe you can kind of be our 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 you know feet on the ground scout with all the OG Ananobi trade ideas going on here. But welcome to the show, Fawad. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm been, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. But I was busy for so many weeks, but I'm finally free, so I'm really happy to be here. We dude, yeah, we've been talking about this a while, and <laughs> Just, please don't don't blame yourself no. for it. There's I I am not organized enough to to let you take all the credit for it not happening yet. <laughs> before before you continue, Keith. Before What's you ask that, him any Chris? questions or continue to, <laughs> to 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 brag about how cool he is, I got to call you out on some nonsense that you should not slip into as a, as a Blazer fan. And you totally referred to to him as uh, up north in Toronto, and a true Blazer oh, fan. Oh, oh, we the true north. Oh, excuse me, we the more north. <laughs> That is. Oh uh, yeah, I was thinking about across the border. No, you're right. We we can have the the northern ba- <laughs> battles for sure. <laughs> It hey, is messed and, up how, how, you know, lines of longitude and latitude and all that nonsense work because nobody thinks of Portland is technically higher than Toronto. But, yeah. you know, here I am. I, I bring blazer takes and geography lessons. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, I mean, so so what you're saying is, Fawad, you're basically reporting to us from the tropics. It's not, not cold or anything. You're, <laughs> there you're, you're, go. Yeah, <laughs> I, um, I live in down south. Like, it's really hot up, uh, down here. Down south in Toronto. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so humid. <laughs> Uh, oh, I love it. Uh, well, cool, man. So, I, I, I mean, I guess first things first, before we get into the draft and some rumors and whatnot, let me just maybe, yeah, pick your brain for a second on the OG trades. What do you think of all this? How, obviously, you've heard as much as we've heard as far as Blazer fans. We've been targeting Jeremy Grant for a while. Re- more recently, we've talked about John Collins from the Atlanta Hawks a lot. OG Ananobi up in Toronto is one of these other guys that I think some Blazer fans are on board like, yeah, that's a, a top target we should be pursuing. And while other fans are maybe saying, that's not going to happen. It sounds like Toronto also, when they've talked about trading OG, it's been kind of, yeah, that's not going to happen or you better set a high price kind of mm-hmm. thing. What's your uh, perspective, again, with, with, with boots on the ground there down south in Toronto? Yeah, OG is so complicated because, you know, first of all, like the Toronto front office is so good. They're not going to lose a trade. It's, it's either... You know, you hope for a neutral trade, like maybe the norm one. Some people might consider it. Um, so I feel like the way we value OG or like Blazers fans might, it's it wouldn't be as high as uh, the Raptors would. So the trade, like from both our both our perspectives, the value is so different. So I I don't see a trade happening because of that. Like we'll probably want to do do just the seventh. I think some people don't even want to do that, but they're probably gonna want like maybe Nas uh, and the seventh for OG. So I think right, right. just because of that, I don't see the trade happening. Um, you know, may, maybe, maybe they're desperate. They do have a lot of, uh, a lot of long wings, so they can afford to get rid of OG, and this might be the perfect time for them to trade it. I just don't know if that's going to be with us. But, you know, in terms of OG himself, I think he's, he fits us very nicely. He's obviously a 3 and D player, very good defender. He's a good shooter. I think he had a kind of a down year this year, and I don't know if a lot of people have caught on to that yet. You know, I think last year he was trending really high, and he kind of plateaued or even uh, fell a little bit, fell a little bit, um, because a lot of people thought his shot creating would kind of come around this year. That was still pretty lackluster, um, and his health issues they continued. He's been pretty injury prone throughout his career, and this year was I think it might have been one of his worst ones in terms of game games missed. 
So there's, you know, that concern as well. So I think that's why our value, it, it's not that high because uh, he is a great player, but he has the, con- the injury concerns and the concerns about can he create his own shot. But then Toronto def- definitely believes that, you know, he will get there. So they value him higher and Messiah drafted him himself. So it's, uh, you know, whenever GM dra- whenever a GM drafts a guy, they always value him a little bit higher too. So um, because of that difference, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it happening, but I think he would be a good fit. Just probably not as ideal as some people think. Where, where would you rank OG is if, if it were something the Blazers were pursuing? And again, I, I, you've got a great point as far as the difference between the Blazers' evaluation of what we should give up for him versus what another fan base or, or another franchise is going to say that they would require to give this dude up, uh, that, that's probably a very common problem, uh, <laughs> I would say, for, for, for Blazer fans. For a lot of fan bases, let's yeah, be honest. For a lot but of yeah, I, I think Blazer fans maybe do suffer from some isolation uh, uh, over-evaluation sometimes. Penny! <clears throat> Sorry, not what? Um, you but, mean uh, <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Oh, thank no. You. Oh, just outright shuts it down. Oh, that's fair. We'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. <laughs> um, uh, oh, you how, threw me off. I where you, throw, you throw them You're off. talking about uh, different <laughs> fan bases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, the, I, I get you on, on the, the difference of evaluation. If the Blazers were to try and pursue this, though, would you put OG... Above, below, between John Collins, OG Ananobi, and Jeremy Grant, what do you, where do you rank these three as far as Blazers' targets? Um, are we assuming they're all the same, like we give up the same amount, or do I factor that in as well? Mm, that's a good point. I mean, let's just say that's part of the evaluation as far as if you'd have to give up more for OG, maybe that makes it harder to put him number one. Yeah. Uh, it, which sounds like it's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, like you think the, if, the Toronto Raptors are going to want more. Yeah, they're going to want more. So if I factor that in, he's probably third. Um, okay. Otherwise, he might, third. he might even be number one if we give up the same stuff. Even though it, there is a risk, I think I'm willing to take that risk with him. Um, so yeah, l- let's say we factor that in. I would put him at three. I would probably put John Collins at one because from... What it sounds like, they don't value him too much, or they've been trying to trade him for a couple of years now. So I think uh, it'll, it'll it'll be a similar price to a Jeremy Grant, maybe maybe marginally uh, like marginally more. And I think he's either already a better player, or he can uh, he can get better. So I think I'd probably put John Collins at one, uh, Grant at two, OG at three. But then as as players, I'd probably go OG. Uh, it's tough between John Collins and Jeremy Grant because I'm a little bit higher on Grant than most people people, and a little bit lower on John Collins, but I think I'd probably still go with Collins over Grant just by a hair, just as players. Word. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm very high on, on, on Grant myself. I mean, I th- my, my number one of those three is Collins because I think he would pair very well next to Dame, and I would assume that they'd keep Nurk as well, and I think they can create a nice little one-two pick-and-roll combo for Damian Lillard. Have two true guys he can run a nice pick-and-roll with, really give the defense some fits because it's, I mean, right now it's like, hey, we need to run a pick-and-roll, so it's Nurk who comes up every single time. You weren't running Mm pick-and-rolls effectively with, you know, Robert Covington, right? That's not his his game. You can get that with Collins. I think an interesting part with Jeremy Grant, uh, Fawad, is I don't necessarily think if you go out and you try to get a Jeremy Grant, like, I don't think you're out of the... I don't necessarily think you're out of like the John Collins sweepstakes either, or maybe even yeah. an OG, depending on what you give up. Cause I think, uh, and this was uh, when I did the, 
Busted Bucket podcast and we had Travis on, uh, Travis Demers, voice of the Blazers, and he he brought this up and I agree, but like he views he views uh, Jeremy Grant more as a three in a Blazers lineup, and I would completely agree with that, especially if you can go get a good power forward because the bad part with Jeremy Grant is for a power forward he is very very underwhelming on the glass. I mean, he averages four rebounds a game, and he's supposed to be playing. That's not what I want at a power forward. <laughs> Give me someone like Collins, who's much better there. Huh? But but my point is, I don't think you'd be out uh, either way. Um, and so, yeah, very high on Collins. <laughs> Just to reiterate, though, when you talk about like what fan bases want and this and that, everyone says, oh, John Collins, uh, you know, dangled a seventh pick and maybe a player. OG on Anobi, right? Oh, seventh pick, maybe Nas. Or people look at Grant and go, oh, seventh pick straight up for Jeremy Grant. Let me remind you that it took some valuable assets in, right, Josh Hart. Um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker was another valuable asset they were able to quickly flip for, for Joel Ingles, which I was surprised. I, I do like his game, uh, Alexander-Walker, that is. Um, and a, prote- uh, a protected pick for C.J. McCollum, right? And the only reason I say that is because when it comes to market value and what players bring to the table, I would say that John Collins um og on anobi for sure and then to a lesser extent uh jeremy grant might be on par but those guys because of what they can do are going to command probably more than cj mccollum in the trade market because again just because of size too well cj cj mccollum is a is a uh shooting heavy shooting guard in a league full of shooting heavy mm-hmm. shooting guards and then you look exactly. at og on og exactly. on anobi on an entire league built on getting three and D guys who are versatile enough to play multiple positions, guard multiple positions. Like that's OG on Anobi in a nutshell. Right. So like it's going to command a lot more to get a player that is coveted by every single other roster in the NBA. So like, I can't turn around and say, okay, I got a good player in Josh Hart and a protected pick and these other assets for CJ McCollum. And then think that a seventh, the, the number seventh pick in the draft where outside of the top three, the next 10 players are an absolute crapshoot. Like there's going to be good players, but there's going to be busts within that group. You don't know what you're getting, but that one pick and nothing else is going to be enough to go get OG on an OB. Like, no, that's not going to happen. So I, I agree with the here. Yeah. The asking price is going to be higher than most people think. The, yeah. This, this is, this is so interesting. If I can say real quick, just cause, uh, I, I really enjoy like this kind of way of framing it as far like what you what you brought up there for what as far as if we're talking this is like just based around the seventh pick essentially if we're just talking like if you're giving the seventh pick for one of these dudes that's one way to evaluate it but if we're talking about the like kind of cost benefit ratio that's a different story and I wish we'd thought of this before uh, shout out to, to Brandon McIntyre our guest last week BMAC hey! I wish we'd almost had you on first and thought of this question before getting, on, getting Brandon on here because that was our big hang up with Brandon uh, he is on as, as you know because you're one of our other friends from the discord if you haven't joined us in the discord yet come and join the discord <laughs> Fawad is on there hey! BMAC is on there hey! Chris is on there hey! uh, we, we, we got Tara we got a lot of other people you also got to put up with me but the link is in the episode description back to what we were saying here trade assets what's it going to take to get a guy like OG on and even Jeremy Grant I think like Jeremy Grant, seventh pick by itself, probably not, especially when Jeremy Grant has been rumored by so many teams. So there's going to be multiple offers, multiple interest if he is truly to be shipped. So like you said, like you're going to have to come to the to the general consensus that you're probably going to lose a guy like a Nas in this situation. you got to remember that they're sign and trade options, even though they don't necessarily benefit uh, Amperny, but they're sign and trade options down the road too. So that you might ha- like, you're, you're going to have to lose players. Like I've said this before on our pod, like it always cracked me up with like the, the Myers Leonard conundrum, right? Like he was, he was, he was 
uh, a former lottery pick stuck as your third deep center. Nobody liked the way he played because he was just so up and down. Every Blazer fan was like, he's trash. But then come trade season, oh man, like you could probably send like Myers <laughs> Leonard out to OKC and like you could probably get like a top 15 pick for him. Like, no, if you don't cover, covet your guy and your team has proven that they don't covet the guy, I highly doubt the other teams around the league do too. So it's, yeah, don't, yeah, come on now. But that's, that's, that's exactly Proper yeah, valuation just, matters. Just to echo a lot of what Chris said, like, CJ was, um, he was a scoring guard. There's, he was undersized too. There's so many of those guys in the league. You can, you can replace 90% of his value with like 10% of his contract or like half his contract. And we basically did that with, uh, with Ant or Penny, if you want to call him. But there we go. Ant. Got him. Got um, one. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. So he was the 24th pick. And I think we, we've replaced probably 90% of uh, CJ's you know, on-court value with him. So it's not with the 24th pick. Yeah, wow, yeah it's not too hard to do that but where you have wings especially defending wings like og like grant um you know everyone wants them and there's not that many in the league so the value is higher and uh, related to that i don't want to get on too much of a tangent but that's also why i value josh hart very highly like i don't want to trade him you know oh, unless know. it's for an all-star like i wouldn't want to trade him because he's he's a wing he can defend uh, multiple positions i'm so high on him and i was really happy with that trade um or with that part of the trade getting josh hart so yeah like og is the same way he can defend multiple multiple positions um and he can shoot too so like it, it's pretty much exactly what every single team wants and i would you know the price is going to be high for that i think it's not it's going to be it's not going to be as high for jeremy grant i don't think it would take seven and more i think seven already would be a slight overpay for grant i, I would want like a late first round back if possible um let's let's yeah let's, so you og you're saying is probably the highest price right it, yeah and sorry i'm starting to but i like this again i like where you're going with this i'm just really curious to kind of pick your brain og you were saying would be like the seventh plus nas uh and and some other small pieces was was kind of the general idea yeah maybe uh, and i think nas should hopefully be enough i don't i don't know if it'll take more than that i'm not sure and that's if toronto was, yeah. was making him available at all grant are you saying would be the second most at like seventh and no, I think or, or I think John yeah. Col- I I think they would be pretty similar honestly, but I think um Collins I think we would probably do just the 7th. I think that should be enough. Um whereas I think Grant 7th like we'll definitely get it done and we might be able to get like a second back or maybe a late first and three-way gotcha, trade. Gotcha. So I think they're pretty similar. I think just uh uh Collins' age makes him a little bit more valuable because um you know, he can improve. So I think Atlanta might uh, they might want him a little bit more than um, Jeremy Grant. Yeah, or, well, you're gonna, well, you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna wanna, you're gonna wanna hope. Here's the thing: if you're looking at, if you're looking at a Jeremy Grant deal and you're looking at just the seventh pick, you're, I think you're gonna be screwed. You're gonna, you're gonna wanna throw, you're gonna wanna do your best to get Jeremy Bledsoe in that deal so that your books are balanced. Otherwise, you've taken all Eric of Bledsoe? your. All, sorry, <laughs> I say. It's all good. I say? All good. Jeremy Bledsoe. Jeremy Bledsoe. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, hey, it's, it's 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 it's. I get. It. I come by it honestly. I get it. Well, from you, my, you call I get me it from Mike Smith, so I gotta hey, call you out. I get when it. I get to... it from my grandmother, who would need to get my attention. <laughs> it would go down the list. She'd like say my mom's name, then my brother's name, then my sister's name, and like finally get to me. So it happens. <laughs> I, I got but, two siblings, both with the other. Like the I'm. We got Keith Carter Craig when we were kids. So the mom right. would be like, be like, who are you? Whatever. Anyway, whatever you say, Kiki Montreal. Let me get to my point. <laughs> Here's the thing. You're you're only having like currently as it stands you have about twenty mil cap space right and so 
if you bring in Jeremy Grant just for that seventh pick, you've taken all that cap space. You've really hurt yourself and your ability mm. to go make other moves. So you're going to want to do your best to get Jer- – uh, Thomas said it again. My God. Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> Eric Bledsoe in on that deal for sure. to help balance balance that. And now when you look at that, yes, it is an expiring deal, but you also got to look at what you know Detroit's thinking. Like, do you – okay, do I want just that expiring deal or do I want some incentive to take on that fat contract for the rest of the year And because I'm going to have to wait till it expires anyway? And that's where, you know, those young guys, maybe it's even, I, I still think, and I said this on the pod too, I, I think there's really good, like not not like, oh, I'm going to go trade him, get an all-star, but there's good trade trade value in, in Keon Johnson, right? Because you're essentially trading a late first round pick in this year's draft, if you will. So it's like something like that, I think is going to take more. Because if you go just, just the seventh pick, uh, then you're going to, unless there's some more deals down the road, you've really hampered your books a little bit. So you got to do your best to balance those. Um, but that's just me. And just real quick to your point too, Fawai, like you talk about, you know, a pass heavy guard or a shooting heavy guard in CJ McCollum and how you, you filled his production. Like you're a Toronto guy. Look what the Raptors got out of Gary Trent Jr. And he wasn't even the focal point of their offense. He went and averaged 18 points per game and he was not the focal point of their offense. Yeah. Or even he was close like third option yeah. at best. At best. So it's like if you get a good a good guard in those situations, again, now it's hard. Like I'm not comparing the two because like you put the two in the nutshell, like CJ McCollum is a better shooter and offensive player than Gary Trent Jr. But in the way the NBA set up, if you got a guy who's not afraid to shoot and can get those shots off, he's going to get his points. So, that, yeah, that's where I say the value of a, of a shooting guard is definitely, you know, less than a guy like OG on Anobi. And if you can shoot and play defense, okay, OG, yeah, your value just went through the roof. We'll come back to the shooting guard value uh, thing. I, I want to get some draft stuff in a second too, but one more could just kind of thought from something you brought up here a second ago, Fawad. You mentioned us when you were referring to Blazers and kind of the trade value here. Being from Toronto, I, I just want to ask, yeah. not trying to put you on the spot, but just, uh, you know, and it, it can be a percentage too. It can be a little bit of both. Do you consider yourself more of a Blazers fan or a Raptors fan? Yeah, I get this question a lot. I think definitely I consider myself more of a Blazers fan. Um, Sorry, go ahead. But it, it, it kind of like has changed throughout the years. As a kid, I was like all Raptors. I didn't start becoming a Blazers fan until pretty much until Dame was drafted. I was a Dame fan right away, and then I gradually turned into a Blazers fan, maybe like around 2015, 16. Um, okay. okay. But Raptors are like, I would, I'd say if I had to make a split, maybe 70 30 for Portland. Um, but Gary Trent was one of my favorite Blazers, so that kind of brought it kind of close. But I, I would still oh, interesting. I, w- yeah. I would still like definitely say um, I'm a Blazers. I'm a Blazers fan. But yeah, even my friends are like, "Why do you say we for Portland? You're from Toronto." But <laughs> no, I'm fine with it. No, I, Chris and I talk about the the we and us thing on here, and you know you'll hear uh, Mike Richmond on the Locked On Blazers podcast, one of my favorite Blazers pods, I believe, right now the only daily one. We're gonna come for that title eventually, but. Uh, <laughs> Chris is like, <laughs> I mean, you know, I'll, get the look. I'll record it daily, but <laughs> we'll automate some editing. We'll we'll change some things up. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> figure something out. The concept of whether you refer to the team and kind of the overall Rip City kind of thing as 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 the team, or whether it's more about well, that's the team that I follow and I'm a separate entity. Both have their value. I, I think it's important to kind of obviously see the difference and all that. But I have no problem. If you're a fan of the team saying, well, this is what we want to do, or this is who we are pursuing, like, this, you're, you're all good. And you know, again, Chris comes from the journalist side, the professionalism side. Hey. Of this. There's a whole other aspect there as far as, yeah, like you're talking about like 
in a professional nature, maintaining the, that that separation of saying they in re- reference to the team. But he's also a fan, so you know you've this, heard, this you've comes heard, up all the time. And so I was, I was just curious where you stood. You've heard of you've heard of Berg and Korf, right? I have not. Berg never heard of Berg. You never heard of Berg and Korf. So it's a, so, it's, no. a, it's a term I learned in sport, uh, sports marketing. So Berg, basking in reflected glory. Pay attention to a fan base. When a team does well, it's always we. We're, oh, we, basking we, in reflect. Oh, we, interesting. We, we won last night. We're going to the finals. We did this. Now, Korf <laughs> is, is uh, cutting off and reflecting failure. And pay attention because a lot of the time when the team loses, it's they lost last night. They aren't making oh. it to the playoffs. They didn't get the, a high draft pick. And it, 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 wait, wait, it, wait. So this is, this is Korf and it's what? I'm, I'm, I'm writing this down, man. I love this. Korf, <laughs> C-O-R-F, cutting off C-O-R-F. in reflected failure versus Berg. Cutting off in reflected Yeah, B, yeah B-I-R-G, <laughs> basking, basking in reflected glory. And it, it's, awesome. it's a sports marketing it. term, and you'll pay attention. Watch how they act. Watch, watch what you see on social. Watch how you talk to your friends. Wee, wee, wee when things are good. They, they, they when things are bad. And it's just kind of funny. And then I'm a journalist, wow. so I do my best to just make it all they. Yeah, I'm definitely going to keep an eye out for that, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably pay attention to be like, thanks, Chris. Now I see you. <laughs> I'll probably mess myself <laughs> up by accident now because of that, too. <laughs> Bergen Korf is going to be like the subtitle of the episode at this point. That, that's, that's awesome. I, I love that. I'm, I'm going to be watching. It's like when you, get a, when you drive. Like I, when I got a Jeep in high school. Suddenly, you see Jeeps everywhere on the road. Every mm. every car you pass is is a Jeep, oh, yeah. or every other car. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna be looking for this. That's that's very interesting. I love it. Let's get into some actual like just straight up draft mm-hmm. talk though. And again, separating from what Blazers want, where our pick is down at seven. Uh, favorite draft prospect overall? Who would you put as uh, if you have the number one pick? Who are you taking? Um, number one pick. See, I didn't even like scout the guys above us too much but i would prob- didn't even get- that's fine i, w- I didn't- wouldn't either man go ahead. I-, I-, I guess i would probably take jabari smith uh that's what most people have been saying and then i think i have a little bit more concerns with the other two uh less so with jabari so i think he probably has the highest floor and probably can get better too so i think i'd probably take him because with chet you know everyone has a size concern i'm not as concerned about the size my bigger concern is how long it will take him to fill out i think he will fill out eventually but we don't have the time we don't have the patience to wait for that right to wait for the nba yeah. body to develop yeah i got you that makes okay see even there even if we had the number one pick in this theoretical you're still you've got the perspective of the blazers on your mind that shows the we i like it we're, we're <laughs> um okay so more blazer centric uh if if Blazers did plan to use the pick for a player that they plan on keeping, like not, we've already mm-hmm. talked about trade targets and we can get more into trades, like, you know, what scenarios we think could actually happen here. But if the, if the pick was going to be using a uh, player that would be a future Blazer, where are you going then? I, I really like Keegan Murray. Uh, I don't think he'll get to us first of all, but if, right. if, if he's there, I would pick him. But other than him, I... I've been buying into the Dyson Daniels hype a lot, but mm, I okay. like I have a concern with him as well because he can't shoot and that always scares me of prospect. So I'm I don't know I'm fifty fifty between Dyson uh, Dyson Daniels and Madrin. So like I, I don't know. So, okay. I don't know who I would take between them. 
See, so suddenly we are so in sync with uh, last week's pod because Dyson Daniels was it was Brandon McIntyre's guy. That's that's been the target the whole time. And uh, Chris has been a huge um, Matherin fan I've been, for for I've a while. Been, it's been, been pretty been vocal. Team ben Matherin since day one. I really Matherin like or Matherin? Am I saying that wrong? I've heard it both ways, so it's all yeah. Okay. I don't know which way it is. Um, it doesn't matter until you. And I pronounced it, we'll it both ways, that. and people who listen know. I've, I've heard, but you know, it's it, it's like Damian Lillard, dude. I like the day we drafted him. I added an extra I in there. I called him Damian Lillard, and like <laughs> Lillard, oh, came out of nowhere. I hate it like that, and it frustrates yeah. me. But, I could totally uh, Lillard, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm big. Or, or I'm, the the Miles Leonard kind of stuff. Yeah, mm. so I'm big. I'm, bi- I'm big on Ben. I'm big on Ben. Um, <laughs> but again, it's he's just my favorite player in the draft, regardless of of Blazers picking him or where he falls. Like. Uh, full disclosure like a couple years ago like my favorite player in the draft was you know admiral schofield like not because i thought he was going to be the best like that was just that was just a guy in the draft i just really liked his college game i liked watching him so i kind of hoped he did good in the nba um but matherin i think is going to be i, I think he's going to be a good player uh, another player that we're, we no one's uh talked about locally because he he's projected as a late first round pick and again, every the show, and we're always about full circle, right? And, and Fawad talked about, you know, if you're going to trade out like the seventh pick for Jeremy Grant, um, you know, maybe he'd like to get like a late first round pick back. And I do think that's a, a, a smart move for the Blazers, even if they trade that to definitely get back into the first round. Because I don't want to use the seventh pick on a project, but if I can go bag someone at the end of the first that's going to just sit at the end of my bench, I mean, hello, take CJ Ellaby's spot. Sorry. Uh, and go out there and, 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 and take it. But I think there's a player that I think could fit in a long-term run. Like you could, you could go get players, still build this guy, and then have a guy at the end of the Dame's window. Uh, but I'm really, really intrigued to see what uh, Nikola Jovic turns into. Mm. There's been a lot of hype uh, for him coming out of Serbia, a 6'10 small forward who has who can play the point, plays a lot of the point right now. Like he's got, uh, I mean, he's an unknown, but it, it's like. The ceiling could be really high with him. It could be really low, but like that—that's a risk that I'm willing to take if I if I pick the 26th pick in the draft, right? Like, like, like with Chet, I personally think Chet has the highest ceiling of any player in the draft, but I think he has the longest to get there and the most question marks of if he can get there. Like, like Jabari, I think is his ceiling is just slightly lower than Chet's, but he's real close to it. Like he's gonna jump to it in in in, in no time at all and be, mm-hmm. be a stud. But yeah, if you're if you get into the end of the draft, like yeah, I mean, I don't know how Portland fans would feel about having a Nicola on the team, but still some pain from having to watch uh, the Joker. But that's a guy that I'm really intrigued with as well to see where he lands and, and what kind of prospect he turns into. I I, I saw a really fun uh, tweet about uh, Nikola Jovic there. Uh, as far as saying like I think someone's talking about fantasy basketball, saying they can't wait to see how many owners draft Nikola Jovic by and try to trade him in the league. <laughs> no, like not even by accident. Catch but like, someone but off then, guard. Then try to, yeah, try to trade him in the league, like hoping that someone thinks oh. it's Jokic. No, like gives up Quinn Big and clicks accept. Yeah, and then, but, you're uh, gonna make, and then you're gonna make someone slap you at hit around, you know? Like, <laughs> you know yeah. Let's focus back in on Blazers. Like, you know, the second round pick stuff is, is one thing, but I'm more concerned with that seventh pick we've been talking about, what we think the Blazers could actually be doing. We discussed trade targets earlier. We discussed the top end of the draft uh, and, and even kind of the, you know, the draft prospects around number seven. Fawad, what do you think is the most likely? Uh, give me a ranking, in fact, between drafting and keeping a player or like drafting and trying to trade him, maybe trading the pick down or trading up. Uh, or is this more, do you see the, the trade, sorry, do you see the pick being used as a trade asset, like in a, a package for a proven player? 
I think, uh, yeah, I think most likely I'll probably be traded for a proven player. Uh, just based on like all the reports we've heard is that we're like aggressively trying to trade for win now talent. So I think um, that's your A number one, like on top of the list. That's what I think will happen. Right. Yeah. Um, what you think, but not what you're wanting. Is yeah, that what you're saying? Is that what I'm hearing? I don't know. It, it depends on what the return is. It's, I don't know what I want yet. So but I think I think it will be traded. I don't know. I guess I'll, I'd probably be 51-49 towards wanting to keep it. But I don't know. That's too complicated. Yeah. So I think number okay, two, okay. number two is probably we keep it and like just you know keep the player. Then three trade down, and I don't think we'll trade up at all. There's, it'll, it'll cost too much to trade up, and it won't be worth it. So. Like we hired Mike Schmidt, so we probably ha I think we'll like we'll nail, we'll nail the draft pick, um, and I think that trading down, if you you know it, if you don't get a player with it, like if you trade down, a lot of people want to trade for the Charlotte picks, thirteen and fifteen. Now you're getting two guys who probably will both be a little long term, whereas the seventh guy you could you might be able to get someone who can you know help you win now even off the bench like a Dyson Daniels. But 13 and 15, like both guys almost definitely can't help you uh, in a year, maybe two. So I think that's why, like from the team's perspective, I think they would probably think they can get someone now who can contribute off the bench and then who also has a high ceiling later on versus trading down. But maybe if they can find a trade partner who gives us a rotation player or a starter and a late pick like in the 20s or something, I think Spurs have two picks in the 20s. So if we can get a a vet from them like a starter or, or a high-end uh, bench player and then a 20 or 25 which is what they have then maybe that's something they could explore but i think just from what we've heard i feel like it's more likely that we either keep it or trade it rather than trading down gotcha and just a quick reminder too schmitz does not start with the team till after the draft so they're not getting all his like, intel oh officially he doesn't start but i'm sure he's telling the front office like anything they want to know i would think there's probably some issues there with the league because he is filling he has to fill out his contract and work the yeah. espn draft as an ESPN yeah. analyst first so there's a major conflict of interest with working both sides there so that's I think, true i don't know the details. i think i think they got i think they got to watch what they're doing there um it would so, be nice though <laughs> yeah i mean just think just about saying. it hey it's just a job like any other job like yeah. If I get hired in my start state July, they ain't picking my brain in June. So, uh, <laughs> and, and, yeah, That's and so fair yeah, too. you gotta watch. You gotta watch what you're doing doing there. That's um, fair. And, yeah, and and I've said before, I still think I still think the trading of that pick is the way to go. I don't necessarily think someone picking in that range, as much as I like some of those players, helps the Blazers championship window. Like, can Ben Matherin be really good? Yeah. Can Keegan Murray be Keegan Murray be really good? Yeah. Can Dyson Daniels be really good? Yeah. Which one of those three that I just mentioned goes sweet? That that's what we need to make Damian Lillard's window efficient yeah, and a championship. Piece. Yeah, totally. You know, yeah. and and so, yeah, I think I think you trade that pick, and then also just just a reminder too. I mean, um, just because they draft a guy too, and nothing happens on draft night, doesn't necessarily mean that that nothing's done. I mean, Andrew Wiggins was drafted high, signed in July, and then after the thirty day window closed, was traded in August. So, I mean. There was no draft night trade because everything was falling through. But yeah, he still ended up getting traded before the season started. So uh, plenty, plenty to work with here. But yeah, I still think that seventh pick, whether it is used or traded on that night, is used to bring someone back that is an immediate NBA starter right now. Well, and, and you know, so filling in from what you're saying there, Chris, as well as what you said a second ago, Fawad, with the idea of 
instead of trading down in the draft rooms, the idea of kind of you, I think you were saying trading the pick for a player that would bring back a lower pick, right? Isn't that kind of what we talked about with Grant as well, or the idea that maybe Grant would be that one where if you traded the seventh pick to Detroit, you'd be hoping to get more than just Grant back? Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, um, yeah, if we do trade down, I think it would have to be in that sense, like where we get a good player and we trade down rather than trading down for like two lower picks, which is I've, what I've seen like a lot of people on Reddit talk about too. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so so there maybe, again, just as far as the, the two perspectives you guys are both bringing, just seems like, again, we're we're returning, we're coming full circle back to Jeremy Grant being almost the... Uh, he fits... I don't want to say primary option, but yeah, it's, it's, it's I don't know. The, the the hopes of getting Grant and John Collins together. How about that? Like, what's what's the actual possibility you think that that Joe Cronin can finagle some way to really? Yeah, I mean, I'd be hyped as hell, man. That'd be a great off season. You think it's possible? Is, is that a real thing, Fawad? Is that like, uh, if we're talking about like again, like the seventh pick would be for Grant and change, or are you going seventh pick for Collins and trying to work out other pieces for Grant? Like, is that like how possible is this? I don't know. It's tough. I think it's like is it's definitely possible. I just think it's unlikely. Uh, we probably can figure out the assets to do it. Um, you know, the 36th pick could come in, come in handy. The future Bucks pick. Uh, so I think there are ways. Depending on how cheap we get one of them, like if we get Grant for relatively cheap, we can put more assets towards getting Collins and get both. Mm. But I think like just the odds of being able to pull off something that huge, I think is just really unlikely. It's possible, but I, especially like being a Blazers fan, things like never go your way. It's always, oh, we almost did that. So I think I'm just not expecting to get both. I think one would be a, it's a, it's enough of a win for me if we get one of them. But yeah, I think we probably will track for two and uh, it's possible. I just don't think it's likely. Let's go Cronin, man. I, I want to be. I want to become a full-time cronut if if he can pull off two of these guys. <laughs> so before we get out of here, let's talk about some rumors that have come up. One that we've already kind of like we we brought up Nurk earlier. I want to talk about the Nurkish rumor that was brought up today in our Discord. Before we get there, I want to talk about Penny Simon and how we've mentioned the the shooting guard heavy league, the the over evaluation that fan bases sometimes do of their own players. Uh, this is probably something that we need more time for. Let's get into that maybe in a future week. Let's just tease it now. Unless you want to say something, Fawad, as far as Penny and the uh, the skewed evaluation from fan base. <laughs> or Chris, you can, you know, I'm not I'm never trying to cut you off, Chris. I, I wouldn't have the power to do so if I wanted to. But uh, I, any thoughts on that stuff to just tease it here in a small thing before we get on to the, uh, the Nurk rumor? I do have a lot of thoughts on uh, on Ant, so I'll try to keep it, uh, I'll try to keep it shorter. Um, I do think that our fan base is overvaluing him. And I think okay. there are a lot of concerns defensively too. And I know like that's nothing new. A lot of people think there are concerns defensively. The fit isn't ideal. It's better than the fit with CJ. But I think that to win to win now and create the best contending team we can, I think we'd be better off trading him for a better talent. And then, I don't know, uh, we can fill the two guard with whether that's Hart or just someone else. Uh, that's easier to fill if we can get trade Ant for you know someone even better than John Collins if if there's someone available then I think that helps us more than having Dame Ant and then John Collins because I think teams might be willing to pay for him more than we uh and they might be able to they, they might need him more than we do 
So I think that if we can, if we explore trading him, we can find someone who's willing to pay for an all-star or an all-star caliber player. I think that's something we should look into because I don't think Ant will ever become an all-star. So if we can get someone who's like at Ant's peak right now, I like it helps us more. And someone who's a better defender, we uh, Dame and four defenders should be the way, uh, should be the way to go. So having Ant at the two is already off to a bad start, but. Yeah, <laughs> I I love this. That was that was see, that was perfect. That was the that was the fire tease right there. As as far as uh saying that you don't even think that, uh Penny Penny will make an all star. And I gotta throw Penny in there because he seems so insistent on Ant. <laughs> it's okay. You can be on Chris's team for for this round. I had uh both Chris and B Max say Penny last week, so I, I was happy. And you, you we got one from you earlier, so I'll I'll take my small victory. We give we give you one to keep you happy, but we don't agree with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine we can we'll, we'll work all that in the future but yeah the the ant thing to me is like i i really i i like him i i just I, it's not like I, I don't see a guy who's gonna become like any better on defense than cj cj mccollum like it like how many players who are average defenders at best year four or five in the league all of a sudden start to explode and just become much better on the defensive end enough to and, and like I, I've slowly seen Dame improve every single year. I think he's a better defender than people give him credit for, but he's still not great. Like he's average, but it's still that's and people are like, oh, if he could just get a little better on defense, yeah, ten years in the league, you ain't getting any better. <laughs> like you come in, like you either have that skill set or you don't. And the tough part is, it's the, I think it's one of the hardest ones to learn in the NBA. 100%. I mean, I bat I battled with this with the. Uh, with BMAC last week where it was right. If, if right. You know, if you know defense, you should, it should transform really well. And my thing is a lot of these college programs are straight zone defenses and nonstop, you know, full court presses and things that you don't see a ton of in the NBA. And if you go from being the best defender in your zone based defense, and you go to the NBA where 99% of the time runs a man defense, like how many times do you watch a basketball game and the announcers point out because it's so rare. They're like, Oh, they've switched to a two, three zone or they's like, what's going on here? Like, it's just, it's, it's the, it's a hard one to translate. And if you don't have it and then you're told to learn it, that's 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 even harder at this point uh an improvement for the blazers and you know i think ant can do this which is nice is they just don't want a james harden right they want just effort maybe you're not getting stopped <laughs> but i just want to see a dog i want to see a guy that's willing to fight over the screen not drop every single time i want to see a guy that sees like i this is how i played defense i was willing to get the foul like if the guys kept setting <laughs> screens i and they were hard screens i finally like like okay i'm gonna get called for the foul probably going to get teed up, but I'm going to put that guy on his ass the next time he sets a screen on me. <laughs> like, I'm just going to be a dog on that side, of the, that side of the floor and just not let up. And was I the best defender? No, but I gave full effort on that end. You had heart. Single time, man. And I, think, I think that's what a Blazer fan would be stoked for right now. Like, oh, sweet. I got effort heart. on that end. <laughs> a lot of teams feel the same way too, and they don't think that you can teach defense that easily. So they draft guys who are like basically all defense at the draft and they teach them offense like the spurs raptors um mm. i think thunder do that did that a lot too they got like so many lanky defenders and they try to make them learn to shoot so it's like yeah i think it's easier to teach offense than it is to de teach defense and even bad defenders who become good defenders like you said it doesn't happen you know between one off season it takes a couple right. years i i i do think though chris what you're pointing out too that the, the what you can see from defense in college is the dudes that have heart the dudes that are going to 
put in the effort and the energy for it and hustle and not just kind of go through the motions. And so then even if you do have to teach them a different system, maybe there's still something you can identify. Dudes that play good defense in, in college are going to be willing to learn defense in the NBA level. But I'm also for what I think you got an absolute point that it's way easier for a team to line you up at the, at the free throw line or the arc or the elbow or anything and say, practice your jump shot. Then it is to say, go through these motions and these, yeah. these kind of like team play strategies where if this dude goes here, you got to be on the, on the rope and move with him. Uh, then you, it's a much harder. You literally cannot show up in the gym by yourself. Just right. you and, and a coach. Yeah. And you practice can't do it. man defense. You can't. You can't. You can't. Let, let alone team defense. Yeah, uh, you yeah, can go shoot. Just, you, you can, can shoot with done. a dummy in front of your face, like to practice right. having a hand in your face. But you, what, okay, now guard that same dummy how you would in a fast break. Like you, <laughs> you, it's required on having players in in, in and NBA in, level players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to a certain extent. And so, yeah. and so, it requires bodies, and a lot of that requires true five on five sets. Because like even team even if I just do one on one, like yeah, I might be able to get some stops. But defense is also again, like we said, are you fighting over screens? Are you going under screens? How are you communicating on switches? Like all these things matter. It's not just I'm right in front of you, but as an uh, offensive player, it's it's just much easier because I can go in with a coach. I can practice my shot. Case in point, uh the incredible improvement in mechanics and consistency of Nasir Little. Nasir Little as a mm, rookie yeah. had a really, really poor jump shot. Mm-hmm. Not only yeah, not making it, time. but his mechanics were just off. And over the years, like this year, till he sat out, you know, getting hurt, like he was a very consistent shooter. Like if he took a yeah. three, you're like, sweet, he's gonna make it. You worked on it. People dog like Alfaruk Aminu. Alfaruk Aminu was a not a good three point shooter until he got to Portland. Got into a Terry Stotts offense, had a good coaching staff there that really, really wanted to put emphasis on those three-point shots, and he hit them. And yeah, he missed them in-game, but man, I'd go to practices and watch him make 10 in a row, no, like nobody's business. Well, but, like, but, but he didn't hit him at first here either, though, man. Like, just that's what, what I'm saying. saying. He was, like, he was the real mechanics. bad by the time They were he got bad here. in year one. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, it was different. Yeah, it's much easier to teach, teach a, a good defender to shoot than it is to teach a, a good shooter to play defense every mm-hmm. single time. Okay. Uh, Final topic here. I just want to bring up this rumor that came up on our Discord. So again, listeners, if you have not joined our Discord yet, Fawad is on Discord. Hey! Chris Burkhardt is on Discord. Hey! B-Mac is on Discord. Hey! Tara, hey! Pat. Hey! Uh, man, I could go through so many other names, but I'm going to start having to go through screen names too, and it just gets into a strange thing of where I'm not sure if it's a name or a nickname <laughs> and, and all that. Uh, home field and the rest. Hey! We had a rumor today from our guy Tico hey! on Discord. He came with some fire saying that Nurk is going to Dallas, essentially saying, lock it in. He's saying, I know this. And I even called him like, no, are we like, quote unquote, the word no? Are we sure that's the word we want to use here? And he he was doubling down. He Tico was saying that he has seen, I don't think I've seen the link from it yet, but he, he was telling us that he found in a Bosnian uh, report somewhere that Nurk was uh, looking at accepting an offer from the Mavericks for 19 million a year. Uh... Again, this seems a lot more like hearsay or or smoke than it is any sort of real locked-in thing. But Tico, our guy in, in Discord, was throwing this out there, and he was kind of saying that he he knew something about this. So, if we see something happen in the future, uh, props to Tico. We've got the receipts. Uh, <laughs> but but also Chris, like you said, that this might 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 be evidence at that point of maybe some foul play uh, going around the NBA here that we can get into at that point and break that down. But for now, let's break this down. Uh, you first, Fawad. What 
what what is your concern level with the uh, with this rumor with the idea that Nurk is going to go sign a contract with Dallas for 19 million? And, and again, uh, just so people are clear, he's he's a free agent. So if I believe if Nurk was to sign something with Dallas, we could match, right? Or, or no, no, he's no. unrestricted. He's he, unrestricted. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I'm getting my situation. <laughs> Kenny is a restricted free agent, yeah. where we have his, the ability to kind of match contract with him. Nurk is not. So there is the possibility that Nurk says, hey, I'm out. I want to go sign with Dallas for $19 million. But beyond that, there are some hurdles. What what stands out to you? I just, uh, I'm taking it with a grain of salt. I don't think it's very likely that there were even contract discussions in the first place. Um, I think, first of all, he wants to stay with Dame. I don't think he would leave. Uh, I think we've probably got a decent contract lined up for him, too. Uh, I don't think mm-hmm. he because I don't think he would have agreed to sit out the rest of the rest of the season if his exactly if his 100%. money was like up in the exactly. air exactly. So I think we've probably discussed some number that he's happy with, even if even if that like actually happened and the Mavs offered him an amount, I don't think he would take it. Um, I wonder, you know, again, if this is true, it might not even be true at all. Uh, it might be someone speculating that this is what like could happen, and um, you know, that, that the, the article is saying like from their perspective, what, what teams could offer him money. I didn't see the article myself, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen the link. I'll, I'll go check on that. Let's let's assume that the article said that they, the Mavs offered him, nine, what was it, 19 million or something? It could also just be Nurk's agent trying to up the Blazers offer a little bit more at, uh, in the last minute. It could be something like that. But Totally. Yeah, overall, I don't put too much stock into it. I don't think he's going to the Mavs at all. <laughs> And it wouldn't be the first time someone used the maps to like up their own offer too. Like Danny Green did that a couple of years ago, and I think a couple other guys might have as, as well. Well, I just want to point out, like I pointed out in the Discord. Okay, go check it Can out. Join the Discord link in the episode. <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything. Keith said enough, and he just did it again. Can't get it. It's like a broken record. Beat you to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh, it's you're like uh, you're like Cartman in South Park when he hears "Come Sail Away." Like every time they say it, if they, <laughs> like every time they say it, he has to sing the entire song. In that episode, he's starts singing it faster and faster. Yeah, every time he, damn it, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, How do but, you and my wife both make that reference within like a week of each other? The, the reference <laughs> because, to Cartman because, sing comes away. How does that happen? I don't know. We got, you've got, got your Pavlov's dog over here. Point is, the the, the Dallas Mavericks currently have. What I got quick math here seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven players on their roster making over ten million dollars a year. And this is for oh. next year's next year's cap cap. You could throw in Maxi Cleaver in there who has nine million dollars a year. So he's just under ten. And then they filled out the rest of their their caught their uh, roster with minimum deals. So this idea of bringing Nurkin at nineteen million dollars a year, first of all, that would give them four players incur- including you know, fat cash Luka Doncic, Doncic making over 19 mil. Four players making over 19 mil, okay? And currently, as the team sits, the team has current cap space of negative $60 million. <laughs> Their projected practical cap space is negative 48. And if they if wow. they renounced every single right, got rid, of their, uh, got rid of their dead caps, all that nonsense, the maximum possible cap space that the Dallas Mavericks could open up going into the offseason is negative 18 million dollars. So no Whoa, matter still negative which, maximum? Still negative. So no matter which way you cut it, the the, the the Dallas Mavericks 
do not have the financial well-being at this moment in time. Again, there could be trades on on draft night and, and etc. Right, et right. But they would have to dramatically overhaul their finances and their roster to free up the nineteen million dollars a year to offer Yusuf Nurkic. And as much as I love Nurk, I've been Team Nurk from day one. I'm still Team Nurk, and I think he is is ninety percent locked in back into Portland. Uh, I think $19 million for Yusuf Nurkic would be a massive overpay for Yusuf Nurkic. I, I think he's still in that 12 to 15 range, and 19 is a bit of a stretch. Uh, but again, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think the D- Dallas showed some real good flashes here uh, this offseason, or this past season. But, I mean, who are you going to give up? You do got some good players that you could give up to get some space. But, like, if I just said that the minimum that you could give up, or that they can get is 18 mil, like, okay, well, I can go get rid of... Uh, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, he's making 18, but then I'm, I'm flat. I still don't have the $19 million to offer. Well, then I can get rid of Tim Hardaway Jr. too. Okay, well, now I got rid of those two guys, and I have my $19 million to give Yusuf Nurkic, but I don't have and two no guys. Well, well, you know, Hardaway was hurt, but Hardaway was a great score for them when he wasn't hurt. And Dinwiddie, yeah, value. Dinwiddie was just a clutch player from them since the moment he arrived there in Dallas. So you just, you, you're, you're getting rid of some really good key parts of that roster to go get Yusuf Nurkic? Like, no, I, I, I don't see it happening at this point could it happen of course but at this point how how all the cards are stacked it seems uh very very unlikely just to play devil's well, advocate they do have some dead weight in uh reggie bullock 10 mil he's not that good they could probably cut him and i also saw uh davis berton 16 mil that oh, yeah. he's not good so that's you know they they'll probably go to that before dinwiddie or hardaway but yeah they would have to get rid of several guys to create that space and i don't know if that's possible yeah but the thing is you go if you get ri- if you get rid of bertons at 16 and bullocks at 10 that's still not enough they need that's a, still like, not yeah. enough to offer <laughs> you 19 million dollars a year that's why i went to the other two because yeah. that's, that's that that would free- so you could you like could one get, of those is probably like maybe yeah, you go boy. maybe you go a three-way right you can get rid of fitting smith but uh fitting smith is he's he's a good wing mm. player to have on your roster so i don't know if i want to get rid of him to do this so i i, I, I get it. again is it possible it's it, it's definitely possible because i do think yusuf nurkic would be very very good in that lineup next to a passer like luca um but they they have to massively overhaul their their roster and their books in a short amount of time to get that window open and it's like if you're gonna massively like if you're the dallas mavericks and you're gonna massively overhaul the roster that much to go get Yusuf Nurkic why stop there just keep overhauling and find a way to get DeAndre Ayton because you like <laughs> like you've already done all this stuff to free up cap space and right get rid of like one more player for some, yeah, so like that like so yeah so it's the it is the season I mean every everybody's <laughs> available I mean so you're probably going to see a report before it's all said and done that that you know Damian Lillard has agreed to a five-year deal with the Lakers, even though Damian Lillard's not even a free agent, but somebody's going to ride it because tis the season, man. Well, look, Damian, Damian Lillard clicked like on a post that about about wanting Aiton or something crazy like that, and people went nuts, too. Yeah, so it is the season, man, exactly. Likes are not endorsements. Shout out to Tico, though, in our yes. Discord for bringing this up. And, and, you know, look, if nothing else, give us content. Mm-hmm. The last two episodes now, we had, we had a trade proposal from Homefield last week. Shout out to him. And now we got Tico bringing up this rumor. So, it, you know, at the very least, what you can do is take these things off the board. We're clearing some space for Blazers fans to realize where the focus is, where the team is looking, what we should be hoping for and expecting moving forward. Uh, also, shout out to the Discord. Link hey. in the episode description. And also, shout out to you, Fawad. Thank hey. you for joining us, man. Really appreciate no you coming on. 
beyond the Unbiased Blazers podcast, which everyone, please download, subscribe, check them out. They're doing a lot of fun stuff. And when you join our Discord, link in the episode description, go and find theirs as well. It'll be available in ours. We have lots of cross between the two. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Anything else you want to throw up here before we get out? Uh, don't just check out our podcast. Join our Discord. Follow us on Twitter. I think it's at Unbiased Blazers. Um, and yeah, like you said, the link for Discord you can find in your Discord. So join Trailcasters Discord as well. But other than that, nothing really. There we go. We'll see. There we go. That's that, that's the cross promotion we're talking about, man. <laughs> Closing your honorable listeners. That's it. That's our show. Thank you, Fawad, again. Thank you, Chris Burkhart. Thank you, Odar, for these fat beats. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City Basketball, and our latest episode. Come and enjoy the Discord as well. Thank you again, and please come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcasters. <laughs>